0: Good morning. Welcome to the special edition of Making of Her Story with Crystal Farley. When we recorded the initial episode with Miss Yibing Wang, we had some technical difficulties when editing. It's really important that we get her story across properly though. So today we are publishing two different episodes with Yibing. The first one will be a 20 minute continuous episode where we interview Yibing for the second time. But this special episode is where she actually shares some more in-depth stories about her personal life, her upbringing, and her journey, making her one of the most powerful women in tech that I've been able to personally interact with. So pardon the imperfect perfectness of this interview, but listen closely as you hear Yabing's story, her struggles, and how far she's come throughout her life. I'm so excited to know her and blessed that she is a part of my network and I can't wait to see where she goes. Again, thank you for joining us today.
1: Sure, sure. And uh, um to that point, there are probably only 11% of women in cybersecurity, and around maybe 25, 25% of women in technology. Even though there are a lot of women in works, you know, space, but it's it's still not enough for women to be in technology and cybersecurity. Um, to introduce myself a little bit, I'm currently a VP of global security for a major benefits management company. I'm in tech for over 20 years and in cybersecurity for I would say 16 years above. And I actually came from absolutely opposite. I came from philosophy background. I used to ask people to guess you know what's my background. Nobody will go that route. <laughs> so I actually a little bit more maybe I grew up in China and I have spent half of my life there and another half in the United States. And with my background in philosophy, um, I came over in 94. You know, In the beginning, I really wanted to do more because my interest was in like, philosophy, psychology, sociology, and other liberal arts field. And I quickly realized you know, in the United States around 94, 95-ish, that you know, technology is a growing, growing world. And, you know, we were getting into the e-commerce. We were getting into the internet. We were doing more and more on the internet. There was no social media at that time, but more things get on to brought to the um, internet. So I start to realize how attractive that field is. At the same time, I realized, you know, staying in liberal arts, how difficult for me to, if I could find a job, because, I was not even born here, and English is not my first language. It took me a longer time to really absorb everything, you know, from philosophy and the other side of it. So that's how I start to look into, you know, what is my next steps? What is my career path? And how do I support myself and support my family um, at least for a short term? That's how I start looking to maybe I need to do a detour. <laughs> I, need to, I need to get my financial support first. And then one day along the way, I still have my passion. I will pursue my path passion, right? That's how I decided to try it on for computer science. And I was at University of Illinois at urbana champaign who has been having a, a great uh, computer science program. So I give myself a challenge. I tried my classes for undergrad, in particular that my uh, uh, graduate school advisor, he looked at me and said, I know you guys, you always have great GRE scores, um, but how do I know you can do computer science? You didn't even have any background. So he said to me, you know, if you go and take all the undergraduate classes and give me all A's, I will consider it. (laughs) I said, okay, let me try. So while I was doing my other other master's degree um, in U of I, I went to take four I think, undergraduate classes. And I brought my grade back to him, says, yeah, as promised, I got all A's. And he looked at me and says, okay, I'll keep my promise. <laughs> I'll keep my promise. I will let you in.
0: <laughs> we then asked being to clarify her story just a little bit.
1: Um, I... I would say I would say yes because um, a lot of Chinese are really good at academic, right? So they show great uh, score on GRE. Um, you know, they show great score on um, other stuff. But to the point that he really wants to say their background, he wants to say the experience, and I didn't have any. So I think there is a bias over there uh, from that angle. I I implied. No, I implied it's not a man and a woman thing. I implied he looked at me as a Chinese that, you know, with those great academic stuff. No, not a man and a woman. At least I did not interpret it that way yeah 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 well, this is actually example of you know we talk about stories right the whole thing is about telling stories and like I mentioned that I I truly believe this to love is to have a story to tell so there there were a lot of moments in my past that certain people made a dent in my life changed my life right this advisor is. You know, he he posted a challenge to me and I said, oh, I will take it, right? I will prove to you that I can do it. And, and that's how I got into computer science, got into technology, got in today. So he's one of the people that, that you know, had influence on me. There are others. There are others. Do you want me to share a couple of stories?
0: Yeah. Then we have the honor of learning of some stories from Yubing.
1: Uh, yes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> So the, the first story actually related to kind of that background. So um, you know, even though I've been in US for a while, right? I had my uh school done, finished, and I start working and then you know, change a job. But for a long time, I think I was trying to fit into the culture. Fit into American culture, American corporation. I use the word fit in to indicate that I was always thinking I came from different background. It's different. So the way I talk, the way I act, maybe not the way that American people would accept. So that's something I've been kind of carefully, you know, watch out for me, what I say, what I do. And another angle to that is um, Chinese culture always taught us that respect and listen to authority. Right. So in other words, though, <laughs> it's, it's my problem. Right. In other words, when I was talking to my peers, I probably I was very free. Right. Be myself. But when, when I got thrown throw into a bunch of VPs in the company that I'm presenting something, I became actually quieter because I did not I did not know that, you know, what I say, you know, is wrong or not. Or in other words, I'm more concerned about if they would think I don't know enough, if they, you know, get pissed off, if they would not promote me. So all the combination of things that really made me not myself, right? Really not myself. And it's been for a long time like that. Um, and I noticed that I really did not get out of it, and well, luckily, in my life, I had different mentors, and one of them, Mike, actually changed me from that angle, so we were chatting about, you know, challenges, you know, things I do, and I talk about the situation I was in the meeting, why I was quiet, so he was trying to walk me through a situation, he used himself um, as example, right? He said that, you know, imagine if I did piss them off, what could happen to me? What's the worst case for, happened to me? And he said, well, they would just fire me. And and then he said, so what? Uh-huh. Wow. And I was, uh, yes, yes. And I, I was just shocked over there to say, yeah, you know what? He's right, right? Maybe all the fear I had, all the concerns I held myself is to, is me impose that to myself, right? It may not just exist at all. So if Mike has a VP and he's not concerned about letting go, why should I? Why should I? So I think from that moment, I use those two words, so what, to really guide my risk analysis, right? Well, I don't mean disrespectfully that I don't care about others, so I say, so what? No, no, not that way, right? I really meant why look at the pros and the cons, why particularly look at the downside of any options which will prevent me taking risks. I ask myself, like Mike did, what's the worst case if that happens? Do I care? If so, so what? I think that two words, (laughs) that two words really push me every time why I hesitated to take
0: risks. Next, we learned about how Yibing had learned to define executive presence.
1: It is, it is. And then another thing really to this one, right, is that, um, you know, people use the word so-and-so does not have executive presence, right? It took me a while to really figure out what is executive presence. I used to think that's because, oh, this person does not have a communication skill. You know, did not communicate well, blah, blah, blah. No, no, no. I think I later on realized that one really equals to your confidence particularly woman, right, Crystal, to your, to your point, particular woman, that we easily lose the confidence because we said, oh, you know, I, you know, I don't know 100% of this answer. Let me just be quiet. When, when you realize a lot, of women, when they, a lot of women, when they do that, on the opposite, men probably will just go ahead and speak up. Right? Even though they only know 20%, they probably speak up. Even though we know 80%, we we'll probably be quiet. But that's part of the confidence. How, how, you, how you can have the executive present? it is your confidence. How you can have more confidence is to use tools like this, ask myself, so what? If this bad thing happened to me, if they don't like me, if they don't promote me, if I don't get this business, so what? So I think that helped me really become more fearless.
0: I, love that. I always love the part when the women that we interview talk about the people that have influenced their lives. Listen on as Yabing talks about her father.
1: Um, My dad. So my father actually is my role model. And here is why. So, um, Outside of the family, he's he's a president of the huge university in China, and more than twenty years after retire, he became another university, you know, president. So he's being um, not only playing a big role in, in the leadership side, but people really respect him. Really respect my dad. On one side, on other side, at home, he does everything. I mean, it's like you know, the dinner, my mom's dinner. We don't like it. We hate it. We want my dad's dinner. <laughs> so in a way you know in my head one was wrong he knows everything he can do everything right so he's not that powerful influential but at the same time here's another thing I love him when he gave me advice he would not say do this because I'm your dad do this because I'm, I've gone 40 years, you know, life, you know, more than you, you know, I'm experienced. He never said that. What he said that will be that look at this one. If, if it's me, I probably will think of those three options. And if I were you, I may be able to pick option one because of this, this reason. He always guided me through the process in a way that I think he treat me fair. He treat me as an individual, as another human being. He didn't really treat me, like I said, in the Chinese culture, there is authority and then you are just below him. No, he didn't do that. He really led me to, to believe in that you know, human being, how you can be fair and trust each other, believe in each other. And that's how I grow healthy you know, in my environment.
0: So he's my role. Next, we hear about Yibing's mother and how she's the dean of a college listen for more?
1: Oh, that's a, that's a very good question. Um, my mom actually is a, a dean of a cottage. So <laughs> she, she is also, yeah, so my, my, I grew up in a family, both of them are uh, leaders um, in, in, you know, leading a lot of people and then have a lot of responsibilities. So um, she's not like traditional, traditional, uh, traditional Chinese woman, but in their generation, there are still women like my mom you know, really have a good career and uh, play a big role in the, you know, the family decision making things like that. So by nature that maybe because of that, I always knew from day one, you know, I wanted to have a great career as well. Uh, it's not about um, me just playing a traditional um, mom's role, but more of how can I make impact in the world, how can I make an impact in other places more than just a family, which is a small environment? I, I have another story I want to tell. <laughs> um, I mean, again, you know, if I recall back, there are many moments, but there is a very interesting moment I, I want to share with you guys. So in 2007, I think, yeah, 2007, I attended like a Circle of Women fundraising event. And there was somebody got invited as a guest speaker. And her name is Susan Taylor. Susan Taylor. I did not know her before. But that day I realized that, you know, she was the editor-in-chief of an African-American woman's magazine called Incense. And she was referred as the most influential black woman in journalism at that time. So before the dealer started, I went to chat with her for a little bit. um, You know, when she signed her book, uh, Lessons in Living for me. So so because of that interaction, you know, I, I, I observed, you know, she was very beautiful, elegant, young and full of sunshine and energy. You know, I liked her right away. That's how I got an impression right away. I like her. And then the event began. The host introduced her on stage to all of us and then, you know, saying she was 61 years old. I said, what? I I almost fell off my chair because I thought she was like me below 40. 40. And she was 61. Well, the story does not end here. Susan started to tell us her story, share her story, and talk about how her husband divorced her when their daughter was only two months old, right? And how she really grew out of that miserable life and then, you know, get to work and then really become uh, the, you know, editor of Chief and and the rest of other things she she did. And um, she... She was sharing, if I call that a tip, a trick. And, And she also mentioned that, you know, not only that you have a miserable life sometimes you need to deal with, but that when we get older, especially, you know, women, that we start to, you know, complain about ourselves, you know, for example, our, my tummy is getting bigger, my skin, skin is getting looser, my, you know, wrinkles are everywhere, memories are too bad, and my energy level are lower and lower, right, all of those kind of things, and, and Susan said she really tried to get out of that because the whole negative thing around her really did not help anything, right, So, so she said she found one thing, so she said every morning after she woke up, she could do one thing. She does one thing. So when she said that, I had all my guesses quickly flying around my head. What, what, what can she do? Yoga? Meditation? Running? Dancing? I mean, I, I don't know what, what she could do. No, no, no. None of those. She said <laughs> every morning, I look at myself in front of the mirror. I I smiled to myself and I said to myself, I love you. I love you so much. (laughs) When she said that the whole room was laughing. And I never truly heard anybody say that to say every day in the morning look at myself, I tell myself I love you. Because you know, like I said, I thought she was thirty something. She looked just great in in that confidence, that smile on her face. Now I know why, right? I know, I know why. Well, not loudly, <laughs> but absolutely. <from laughs> but absolutely from that day, right? This really stuck in my head. From that day, I realized how important it is for you to accept yourself, even though you have all kinds of shortcomings, problems, weakness, anything. But got to accept yourself. Got to love yourself. I mean, nobody will do that until you do that first. That's how I I, I take away from that statement of I love you. And whenever I start to say, you know, I lose my weight, I need to do blah, 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 I, I thought what she said to herself, I love you.
0: So listen, as Yibing shares how she was trying to fit into the culture by changing herself, that doesn't always work.
1: Yeah, I mean, back to the story I had, right, to say, I was trying to fit into the culture. What I do, I was trying to change myself. I was trying to change myself to become somebody I thought somebody will accept. But at the end I realized no, I got to be myself. I got to love myself. And I hate to this, I hate to say this. If you don't like me, so what? <laughs> yeah
0: listen as we capture yabing's final takeaway from our original recording
1: yeah and i just want to say thank you for doing this because i i can also listen to other stories you know you guys brought other women together we just need to really encourage each other and one thing i probably didn't mention but crystal lead to that is i am an advocate for women women in technology women in cybersecurity. anything we can do to help each other
0: we will do it so let me know if Thank you for taking the time to listen to the Imperfectly Perfect original interview with Miss Yubing. Bing. She's an outstanding woman, and I can't give her more of a raving recommendation for a friend and as a peer as a woman in technology. Remember, you can always follow us on Instagram, Making of Her Story, on Facebook, Making of Her Story, and on Twitter, of Her Story. Please feel free to shoot us a message if you'd like to be featured on our show, and we will talk to you all very, very soon. Have a great weekend. Thank you.